I look out and I see some 49ers jerseys and football paraphernalia. Apparently there are some games happening today. All I have to say is go Broncos. I will say that every year, no matter what. If any of you are thinking about converting to the Bronco family, I will be here after to pray with you. Let's ride. All right, some of, <laughs> somebody caught that. All right, good. Well, it is going to be a great day today, amen? Already has been. God is in our midst. As Vince has said, he is answering prayers. He's speaking to hearts. And, uh, and I just want to stay in that, in that uh, mindset that no matter what we are doing together, we are, in, we are worshiping together, whether we are lifting our hands in song, praying for one another, or diving into the Word of God, we are, we are worshiping, amen? Amen. So we're going to dive right in today uh, in our series called Our Strange New World. And uh, we've been tackling this question about, you know, with the world that is always changing, which is nothing new, it seems as though the last few years specifically, it's almost been like in hyper-change mode. The world just continues to change and shift and, and things are just happening. But no matter what the world is doing and how it is changing, we are still called to be Christ followers. We are still called to be a beacon of life and to still called to love and to bring love and to bring life and to speak life. And we are called to look at how Jesus is, what his characteristics are, how he responds to people, and, uh, and, and how much he loves the world around him, that we are to look upon that as, a, as an example upon Jesus' life. And look at that as the roadmap to where no matter what the road looks like as the world changes, we as believers still have a very firm foundation on how we are to be to that world. Amen? So we're going to be jumping in uh, from where we left off last week in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14. And uh, some of you might have already jumped, you know, gone ahead, or you've read it before, but I want to get the obvious preaching point. Uh, on these very powerful verses just out of the way. There is a, it is powerful. I don't mean to get the obvious one out of the way as, as to belittle it or to mitigate it. It's the most it's a powerful set of scripture um, that literally is the hinge pin of our faith. But I want to, after we get this obvious one out of the way, because I could spend uh, we could spend hours as a church just talking about this one thing that we're going to talk about, but how that one truth, that one principle um, can affect and change the way that we respond to the world around us. Amen? So here's, here's the obvious one. And let me just say this and just get this out. We cannot earn salvation. We can't rule follow our way to heaven. Jesus made the ultimate way where there was no way, and we get to walk in that way, not because of anything we've done, but only because of what Jesus has done, and we are invited to receive that for free. By faith. No one's excited about that. <laughs> no quota is in place for the amount of people you have to lead to Jesus or how many people you have to raise from the dead in order to qualify for this gift or how many scriptures you have to have memorized. Jesus did it all. We are not bound by the curse of the law of salvation. We, are, we live freely because of what Jesus did to do away with that type of relationship. But 
we do live in a busy to do driven world, do we not? A world with more checklists and obligations, more groups, more meetings, more Zoom calls, more organizations, driven by that need to be accomplished. And at times, that can easily be a lifestyle that makes its way into all areas of our lives, even our spiritual ones, where the free gift becomes a to-do, where even though it is free, we still find a way to make it something we have to achieve. And let me tell you, the world around us can see that. It's that idea that nothing's for free, right? So when we talk about this free gift in Jesus, but we live as though there are to-dos, there are checklists, there's this, there's that, we have to work for, we emphasize the things we do and can do, it is a different message being preached altogether. Where our security is established and accepted only because of what we have done to secure it. Where obligations of what we have to do or at the very least, what others say we have to do, are ever growing in this changing world. The example I have is, is what we probably all see when we flip, and open our, flip open our phones. I say flip open, that was a long time ago. When we, when we just touch it and it opens up, is we have all these social media groups, right? You have TikTok, you've got Instagram Reels, you've got Facebook, whatever. And, and every time you go on there lately, or at least what I've seen in those past years, you have all these social media influencers. And there, there's a lot of these alpha guys and gals out there that's all about production and achievement. And there's 24 hours in a day, which means you have three days and 24 hours. You need to get up at two o'clock in the morning and do a five-hour workout. And if you don't do that, you're a lazy lop. And they just keep going and going. Have you guys seen these? Or am I the only one that's just on my feed for some reason? <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe somebody's trying to talk to me about being something. I don't know. But it's, I see all these things, all these 12-step systems. If you want to be a better this, do that. If you want to achieve that, do this. Or if you want to be a better you, here's the, the, the six-month roadmap to being your better you. There's, there's all these things on to do, 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 do more. And to agree, some of that, as, as facetious as I am about it, and maybe just being a little goofy about it, to some degree, it isn't necessarily all bad. I mean, it's good to do well at your job. It's good because you get promoted, you get raises, you get to uh, have more experience and influence in the field that you're in, and, and those are all good things. Or, or when you set a financial or health-related goal that, uh, by the way, just aren't magically going to happen, so you set up for yourself tasks and to-dos, and, and you're responsible for those things in order to, for those goals to come to fruition. So you know, those aren't necessarily all bad. And when we hit those goals, and, and, and it does bring a sense of pride or accomplishment or, or for some things, a sense of overcoming something, which again, are, are not bad. But this, so this isn't a message of, of do nothing and Jesus will make your car payment. This isn't do nothing and, and Jesus will, will help you lose 50 pounds overnight or, or, or make a million dollars in two months. It's, it's not that. But it's when the, that world of I will make it happen, that world of I will checklist my life into perfection, that life of I will read my way into spiritual bliss, I will develop a plan in such a way that faith for things is not needed, 
And when that world tries to overlap how we receive from our Savior a life that we can't take credit for, things begin to go wrong. When we begin to live in such a way that the gift from our Savior, instead of just receiving it and living freely out of it, becomes a to-do, we begin to be able to take credit for the things that are happening in our world. So the question for the morning is this. Does our life emphasize faith or does our life emphasize our own works? Faith was, is, and always will be the key to our salvation and life in him. We are saved by faith, and God set it up that way from the very beginning, which we're going to read about here in just a moment. And when we live outside of that truth, not only do we starve our own spiritual lives from receiving the freedom that comes from that truth, and make no mistake, there is a greater sense of freedom when we realize that truth and live out of that truth that we kind of ebb and flow in and out of when we take control, we take the reins, we give up and starve that, that freedom that Jesus is really trying to give us. But it also affects the way we communicate a life with Jesus to others, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. What we say has to match what we look like how we respond. No 100-point plan, multi-level process, or 10 milestones type of life that we are trying to show the world around us. They already can see that. They can go on TikTok and find all the how-to plans they want. The beauty of the gospel is we can't earn, buy, or do anything in our own power to obtain the greatest gift of grace ever. Paul emphasizes the free gift of grace throughout his letter to the Galatians. They were tempted to return to the law and make the Gentiles follow that. But Paul knows that only faith in God's grace will save. In chapter 3, he uses Abraham as an example of the saving faith. It's this truth that screams true freedom and helps us love those around us better by not reducing a life in Christ to our own checklist. So let's read. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14. I'm actually reading it out of the message of this morning. I read it in the NLT too when I was doing the study, but this one just spoke to me a little bit differently. Starting in verse 5, just because it kind of picks up right after that. Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit working things out in your life, in your lives, you could never do for your, sorry, answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit working things in your lives, you could never do for yourselves? Uh, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust in him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God, and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. Is it not obvious to you that persons who put their trust in Christ, not persons who put their trust in the law, are like Abraham, children of faith? It was all laid out beforehand in Scripture that God would set things right with non-Jews by faith. Scripture anticipated this in the promise to Abraham. All nations will be blessed by you. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham, who lived by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure. 
Scripture backs this up. Utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of law. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make, a pl- make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship, relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship, relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping, a fact observed in Scripture. The one who does these these things, rule keeping, continues to live by them. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared. And we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Everyone said amen. The Jews whom Paul was writing to in this letter were telling the new Gentile believers that in order to truly uh, be acceptable to God must become like the Jews. They must follow all of the mandates of the law. But Paul begins to speak about Abraham, essentially saying the father of the Jews would not agree with this. Pointing out in verse 6, Abraham was a man of faith. He believed God. Paul says it is his belief that was counted to him as righteousness. Faith, not works, being the key distinctive of this relationship between God and Abraham. And it's the same for us today. world has changed so much since Abraham's day, but that principle has not changed but we tend to want to overcomplicate it as the world moves on, don't we? We want to complicate our relationship. We want to complicate what he's called us to be, who he's called us to be, how to love, how to be Jesus here. It's all the things that we try to make a 12-point program for, but we tend to forget it's just our faith in Jesus. Even today in the strange new world, we live at times like grace is still something to be earned. The world around us emphasizes what they can do, have done, and take great pride in making themselves famous for But God's kingdom works differently. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith is still the key, and God's whole plan of salvation was set up to point to faith in Jesus and all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will continue to do inspiring us to do what we struggle with the most as people, which is to live this life without it being about us. That's the struggle. And it's easy in this strange new world to make everything about us. We have platforms where everyone's got a voice. Everyone's pointing to what they can do. Everyone is sharing every awesome thing that they've ever achieved and accomplished and all of these other awesome things. Now, the scripture is talking about the gift of salvation not being able to be earned but received through faith in Christ. But it wouldn't be a bad practice to incorporate this into our other areas of faith. 
the works that we do in this life are the works that we partner with God on through a life lived in faith. Amen? You know the verse, uh, faith without works is? Some of you read your Bible. Good. That's because as we partner with the presence of God and faithfully believe he is at work and instructing our steps, that when the opportunity presents itself to walk it out, whatever it might be uh, for you, whether it's praying for someone or blessing someone in some capacity, anything that you know God is calling you to do, we, we do it. Not because of our own goodness or, or because we devised a great plan to be, to be a blessing or, or that it goes into the bonus column in heaven, but because out of an abundance that we have been blessed with, the gifts that have been freely given to us, we now operate even in those situations from a place not cursed by doing anything uh, to earn anything or doing those things to uh, hoping for some return or a pat on the back, but instead out of faith, realizing that I could never outgive what God has done for them and that I am graciously being invited to yet again be a part of his works. Not hitting the spiritual snooze button, which is what causes those things to be dead. Here's where knowing it's all about him brings a greater sense of freedom for those who have faith. Remember, I mentioned earlier that faith was, is, and will always be the key to our salvation where we are saved by faith, and, and God has set it up that way from the very beginning. And I, I said when we live outside of that truth, not only do we starve our spiritual lives from receiving the freedom that comes from that truth, but it affects the way we communicate a life with Jesus to others. When we live a life not emphasizing our works or the works that we feel others should do, instead of emphasizing a life of faith, in the power, the love, the grace, the mercy, and the salvation of Jesus, the acceptance of Jesus, then we will begin to live out of an entirely different understanding of the word freedom. It's not us who live, but he who lives in us. And we won't burden those around us with our works and expectations, but instead lead them toward that gift of freedom that Jesus gave us without any checklist. We become that invitation to those who need to see Jesus. We become that invitation for those who need to experience Jesus. We become that invitation that need to be accepted, to, to feel that acceptance of Jesus, who need to, to see and experience his love. But for so many have only seen and heard man's checklist. We are called to bring that freedom, that same freedom that we read in, in Galatians chapter 3, where it says there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have done. It has all been done through, through Jesus. I'd like to invite, and we are cutting it a little low, short this morning, just so we have time to do something very special that I think is very um, pertinent for this particular conversation. So I would ask the worship team to, to come up for just a moment. I want to reread verses 11 through 12. A lot of Bible reading. It's okay. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relation with God that way. The person who lives in the right relation with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. 
Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into life, into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself more and more rule keep by rule, more rule-keeping. A fact observed in Scripture, the one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, curses anyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved that curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared. And I just sense the word freedom when I read that. And we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit, in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Now, I don't have a three-point practical system to give you this morning. This is just the life that we live in Jesus. To live any other way, to reduce what Jesus did by believing you or I could do anything, check off any box, or pay him back with any works, is to water down the most powerful, life-giving, freeing gift that this world will ever see which is a life free in Christ. He believed God, and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. We are free in Christ Jesus. We are not bound by works. Jesus did it all. We are invited to be a part of what he is already doing. We get to show the world, this changing world, through our lives of faith, what a life in Jesus looks like not bound by to-dos or spiritual workflow charts or any other man-made agenda. But instead, we simply live a life of faith, being attentive to his spirit and giving freely what he has already given freely, freely to us, which is his love. There is no greater way to celebrate that truth than to be reminded of what he's done by, for us by taking communion together. So that's what we're gonna do, amen? Calvin is going to lead us in worship. And throughout this song, as we are worshiping, like I said, everything we do in this place, we are worshiping in one way or another. So as Calvin leads us in worship, I would like us to take a moment and just give him all the praise for what he has done. Let all the checklists and to-dos and things you need to accomplish and and the, the things you have set up for yourself in order to have been made worthy or any of that thing, and let it just go to the wayside. And instead, just embrace the free gift of Jesus' love over your life. And then throughout different portions of the song, I'm gonna come up and we're gonna take those elements. But for the first minute or two, just be with Jesus. And then start to make your way forward and take your elements and then I'll be up to take them with you. Amen?